We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. With themes of fate, technology, responsibility, and maybe a little even hint of class, we're talking Charlie Dickens with the Signal Man today. Yeah, it, it seems to be like this unspoken gem. Uh, I was very surprised at how much I really enjoyed it. I mean, I shouldn't have been surprised because, you know, it, it's our boy. So the opening line, hello below there, seems very relevant and <laughs> seems to come up several times to the plot. But I don't know about you, but whenever like you start out a story up top and you have to descend, like when you go down, it always brings in these like, Dante's Inferno, like we've done uh, 26 and 1, we've got a Tolstoy story, we've got Pedro Paramo, there's all these stories that to descend into madness, into hell, you go down, and that's always the feelings I get, particularly with an opening like this. Do you also think it has to do with the fact that it's going down, but he's going down into the rail line areas where it's dark, and it's dank, and it's gloomy. I mean, you go up, you go up into the sunshine, it's bright, and there's life. And down here, you're going down to where it's like death feeling. To play off of your light commentary there, there's actually even a quote where they talk about when he goes up, uh, he tries to go above, quote, these lower shadows. And they talk about how it's supernatural and uh, fantasy almost down there and how it's uh, evil and spooky that there's clearly a feeling that permeates this space. Now, this early in the story, did you already start to get that magical realism sense, that su supernatural feeling? Or did you just have that because of knowing that it was a Dickens story? Or do you think it's written that well that you started to already have that vibe? You know, that's a good question. Um, I think I knew it was a horror story going into it, but it's when he kept looking at the light and they started to describe the atmosphere of the place. I just I had strong inclinations of what it was. But also, I mean, when you look at what is a signal man, like, uh, don't get me wrong, I have to look some stuff up myself. But it is <laughs> someone who is meant to kind of send signals to foreshadow the future. To, if there's danger up ahead, they have to let the train know. They have, they have responsibility for life. It's comparable to the... Air traffic controllers uh, at airports, you know what I mean? It's a high-stress job because they are directly responsible for the future, for how these people are going to survive. And if they make a bad call, we got some accidents we need to talk about, right? Right. Did you pick up on that it's like this double meaning at what point in the story? Because I, I feel kind of dumb that I didn't get it till the very end. I'm like, oh, signal man he's signaling for these people and then the ghostly apparatus at the end of the story is signaling him of his potential death and he's signaling to make sure nobody else dies and i just i, I didn't get it to the very end and i felt like oh i should have picked up on that earlier that the title has a double meaning i don't think you need to feel bad about that um <laughs> th there's there's a lot to this story right like like we've talked about there's there's all these elements of fantasy real dissension into supernaturalness 
And to the signalman's job responsibility, it's described as, quote, an unintelligible responsibility involving life. And I just thought that was interesting because not that I think that that Dickens was going for this, but I had this feeling of like, do you remember like like Charon from uh, Greek myths, the ferryman that would usher people into the afterlife? Yeah, across the river Styx. Yes. Well, they had these quotes about, you know, the Saturnine face and stuff like that. And as you know, Saturnine back in Dickens day was thought of kind of like this. It was thought that like just singing, dancing could like solve melancholy and such like that. But it also evokes these feelings of loneliness, I'll say. It's kind of hard to pick the exact word, but let's just stick with the word loneliness for now. Because down below is this man. Solitary. And along comes this. It right? is. Yeah. But, but what's weird is like when we descend into the solitary man's life, the guy that literally has to usher people, hopefully not to the afterlife, but he sure does in this story. <laughs> yeah. Our, our Charon, he's lonely, right? Did it not feel weird that we never get much on why does the narrator even decide to stop and go down like several nights in a row? Yeah. He just kind of walking by and he looks down and he just, I guess kind of empathizes or maybe has a supernatural feeling. Um, I mean, sometimes I guess we kind of just do things and uh, you see this guy, he looks unhealthy, you know, he's described with a yellow skin and maybe the narrator's just a good person. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go talk to this guy because he looks lonely. Like he needs a friend. He's in this doom and gloom and I'm going to try to cheer him up. I'm trying to make his day. I guess is the only thing I could think because otherwise it never really addresses why he would go down there in the first place unless, and I thought there was going to be the twist at the end that the narrator was the ghostly apparatus, um, almost like a sixth sense thing. Um, where he was going to be a ghost or something telling the signal man, Hey, don't die. But, uh, didn't that, that twist didn't come about. So I, I don't know why he didn't, he was going down there. Well, there's, um, a couple of comments about how this man was educated in a sense. Like he was going for the, what was it? Philosophy. So some, it was some word with philosophy, but he kind of like dropped out, but he still had a hobby of education. He still learned another language, even if he didn't know how to pronounce it. And this this narrator, I wasn't sure if it was class commentary or what, but he's obviously got time to kill. He's got time to waste. And it's almost like he was descending down from like a class perspective, even of like, like, how do how do these people live? And it was almost like a kind of like a genuine curiosity, because I don't think it's as strong as in this one. And maybe it's reaching just because of the way a lot of his other novels are work. But there's always these 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 class divides in his novels, at least. And in order to reach, you can't, you can't reach down. You have to reach up, right? Like, like the upper class doesn't even almost like acknowledge the lower class. And here's a man that's like different and almost is like taking an interest in the signal man and the man that looks lesser than, but, Oh, look, he's educated. Oh, look, he actually can like uh, try to learn things. And he chose this life. Uh, And that's another thing about uh, Dickens novels is fate. Right. Is a lot of times we're destined to things. And can we truly rise up in class much more difficult back then than it is now? And here's this man choosing this lifestyle almost in a sense. I don't know. It just it made me think about that a little bit, knowing a little bit more about Dickens' writings. When I thought about it, too, I thought about this guy's grasp on reality, both the signal man and the narrator of obviously we're we're supposed to be led to believe that the the grasp of reality is breaking down for the signal man and he might be drawing the narrator into this. And I I feel like the narrator 
wants to see where this goes. And and I I don't know if it was, it, I mean, it's obvious that you can draw those conclusions about the class, you know, distinctions or everything, you know, with what, what you just said. But I don't know if it was so much more that he's trying to, I hate to say it this way, but like trying to see, you know, what is it to slum it? You know, what is that feeling? Because it maybe give him a better perspective to appreciate the things that he has in life. Um, you know, a, a better understanding of, of his perspective on life. Well, here's one thing that I know we can agree on is the way Charles Dickens brings you into the supernatural. You're not thrown into it like a lot of other writers in terms of like, you know, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, where it's like all of a sudden something supernatural just punches you in the face, right? The, the magical realism uppercut. When we look at A Christmas Carol and we look at this story, like there's three signs, like a, a number very common in fantasy is the number three. It's it's very special. It usually represents kind of like that round trip where in the beginning, you're not even really sure what's happening, right? Like the, the remember the first ghost, he's just like, is this real? Is this just a crumble of cheese, an undigested piece of beef? <laughs> and here... Like the first premonition, like the the narrator is even just like, nah, bro, like, uh, let me come back tomorrow. Like this, you're going to be okay. Like there's a slow dissension into the, wait, is this real type of situation? And, and the fact that each time he has these premonitions, it's surrounded by this traumatic event. Uh, there, there's got to be something there about how Dickens kind of slowly immerses a reader into this twilight between reality and fantasy. And I love how he, he's drawing out this dilemma of, is this real? Is this not real? And the signal man's dilemma of, he 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 gave a real close piece of himself uh, to this basically total stranger. I mean, they're obviously becoming friends or would have become friends. But he opens up to this this stranger of, hey, I have something really serious going on here. And it might sound a little bit crazy. It might make me seem crazy. But I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm going to trust you. And he gives this guy his story and his trust of how he's, you know, seeing these apparitions and basically saving people's lives. And then for him to lose his life, because maybe the narrator didn't truly believe him. Like, could the narrator have talked him out of this, you feel like, if, if there had been maybe that trust there or that relationship that had maybe formed over a long period of time? I, I don't know. But I, I love how the subtle hints of the supernatural comes throughout of this relationship that is budding between the signal man and the narrator. Do you think there's value in the discussion of like, we talk so much about the supernatural, assuming that it's real, but there, there is an element of, is it not? Is there an element of, of a stressful job causing these, I don't want to say hallucinations, but they, they cause these distractions. They cause these things that, that cause that, that you, you lose focus on the most important thing, which includes safety, right? Personal safety, especially with this guy investigating this red light and this, this, these images that he's seeing is there commentary here on the stressful situation of the job, but also just technology, right? Like this is a time and era. <laughs> we look when this was written that the world was exploding when it comes to industrialization and what does technology mean to human beings. And I think that comes with mistrust. And I think that comes with a question of, of reliability and safety with humans versus machines running things. Oh, for sure. I think that one thing that is very clear here is that there's almost this PTSD for for some jobs that are super high and stressful. And and one part of the story, the signal man freaks out, right? And he goes to go grab the the phone uh, 
and it didn't ring. And it's almost like that phantom vibration you get from your phone in your pocket. You're like, oh, I got a message. And you go and grab it. And there's no message. You're like, I know 100% in my mind, I felt a vibration on my leg, but there was no message. And so I think in a high stakes job like this, you're going to have those like little freak out moments. And the narrator's kind of seeing the breakdown of the signal man's like psyche here. So he doesn't know whether to believe him or trust him or not with, with is this real or not real. And I think that kind of keeps you guessing throughout this. Um, and, and then factor in the fact that like, yes, this technology is very, very new. Um, who's to know that the signal man wasn't hearing something or, or doing something that the guy didn't understand yet because he doesn't know how these things work. Yeah. You know, the way he describes it with like verbiage too, is he says, just then there came a vague vibration in the earth and air quickly changing into a violent pulsation. That seems not good to call technology violent <laughs> pulsation. And later when he talks about the the smell, the deadly smell, as if he had left the, quote, natural world, right? So is technology unnatural? Is this area supernatural? You know, you can't help but wonder that there's a certain sense of just mistrust from him at the time. And I, I kind of stumbled upon it by accident, but I looked up, did Charles Dickens ever get involved in a train crash? And I got some hits on Google. Did did you look that up by chance? Yeah, I also cheated and, and looked that up because this seemed like it was way too close to home of Dickens being mistrusting of technology and, you know, almost putting it in this supernatural state because he was relating it kind of to magic. And for most of, I think, human history, things that are magical have been always looked down upon and not trusted. And there was the Staplehurst railroad crash um, in 1865, and he was involved in that, and he almost died. Um, so I think he's starting to question his own mortality and how is technology going to fit inside of our lives safely? Yeah. I even read that there's apparently like another crash even before that, this Clayton Tunnel rail crash. And it has to deal with basically uh, these signalmen that kind of had their wires crossed and these signals were interpreted wrong. And that basically resulted in this crash that killed people. And I think that's kind of one of the things that you have to look at with this story is how these premonitions uh, happening before they actually happened, the, the, you know, the way that they would cover their eyes or, or the women that would scream, like there's something to be said about the premonitions coming true, right? The signalman being able to see the future and to kind of direct things. What do you think old Charlie's saying here? Do you think that there is an element to how we pay attention to life and reading the signals and that the signs of the universe exist? Or do you think it's all coincidence? No, I think that he's seeing past the veil of normal uh, or what maybe he would consider normal. And I think that he's questioning whether we should have the power to do that. Um, should we be the ones that are in control of these type of destinies? Because these technologies are going to give you the power to do that, to change lives on a massive scale like we've never seen before. And I'm sure that, you know, he he obviously didn't fathom things like the atom bomb or whatnot, but that that's uh that's a, a real change that is taking place in such a short period of time that he's fearful that we aren't going to be in control of our own lives just like these people aren't in control of this train and they're trusting people that are flawed like all of us with a machine that's made by a flawed person with their lives and that's that's really really scary and i think that that uh that opened up his third eye so to speak of you know are we going to allow this 
to, to, to dictate our lives. Well, I'll just say this. I'm glad I wasn't living through the post-Second Industrial Revolution because that seemed like a rough time. <laughs> that is true. And a shout out, I want to thank uh, Lewis, a.k.a. Bookish Corner, for uh, suggesting this uh, hidden gem because it was a treat. So thank you for our Patreon pick for October. We really, really enjoyed it. Wonderful time. Thank you for spending time with us today. Charles Dickens, playlist down below. My name's Ben Una. Peace. Peace. <laughs>